0: earn 10 to 20 grand per hire and how you can get started part-time. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the side hustle show. It's the business podcast. You can actually apply today. I've got a fascinating side hustle for you. It's recruiting. I knew there was money in recruiting, but I had no idea there was this much. John Chintana Road is here. He knows the recruiting business inside and out, having worked for several staffing agencies before starting and selling his own recruiting business. Today he runs RecruitingAccelerator.com, where he's helped hundreds of people start and expand their own profitable recruiting businesses. John, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thank you for having me, Nick.
1: Excited to be here.
0: Likewise, stick around in this one to learn what John calls stealth mode, how you can get started without your nine-to-five noticing. And how to set yourself up for success, essentially playing matchmaker between job candidates and companies who are trying to find them, companies that need their help. If you're new to the show, make sure to grab your personalized playlist at hustle.show. There are over 550 episodes to choose from, which can be intimidating. But if you answer a few short multiple choice questions, I'll build you a custom curated playlist of the ones I think are going to be most relevant and impactful for you. Again, that's at hustle.show. But John, my understanding is your solo ventures as a solo recruiter kind of started a little bit by accident. Can you explain?
1: Yeah, well, actually, my whole career started by accident. Um, like most recruiters, I, I fell into it, right? You don't go to school and major in recruiting. You kind of just find it uh, after you graduate. And so I, I actually walked into a staffing company looking for a job. And then they said, hey, why don't you just come work here as a recruiter? And I and that never occurred to me. But I thought to myself, well, I'm kind of a people person. And I'm always making like connections for my friends. And a lot of those connections, they would end up getting jobs. So I was like, well, I'm already kind of doing it for free. Might as well kind of get paid to do that. So then I I kind of started staffing there and then eventually worked my way up to more boutique recruiting companies where I would, uh, you know, make a percentage of the salary. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that recruiters, they typically charge 20% of someone's salary. So if you're placing a six figure salary person, and your fee is 20%, that's over $20,000 for hire per hire, right? They go to the agency. Unfortunately, as an wow. employee, yeah, you get a percentage of that. Right, it, it's a lot and if you think about it, it's because we don't get the easy jobs. We get the jobs been open for 6 months. They've like tap their network, they're, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, okay, we still can't find the right person. Let's throw money at this and hire a professional uh, headhunter recruiter, right? So then we come in to kind of save the day. When I actually got into the my own recruiting business was because one day I uh, walked into the office on the Monday and said, hey, we're laying off you and your entire tech division, right? That was uh, my manager to me. I'm like, wow, okay. so Wow, I went home, actually stopped by the bar, had a couple of drinks first to like, you know, lick my wounds, went home. And then I'm like, well, I'll call my top couple clients, break the bad news and say, hey, sorry, my... I won't be able to send you any more engineering candidates. My my company laid off the whole tech division, including me. And surprisingly, my top two clients said, "Hey, why don't you start your own thing?" And like, we'll we'll, we'll stick with you. Like, we want to keep working with you. And so that gave me the uh, the courage. Right? I wish I would have said I pulled like a Jerry Maguire and just you know stormed out of the the office, grabbed a goldfish, or grabbed grabbed one of the employees with me. But like most recruiters I talked to, there I was too comfortable like being in the nest, even though. I was frustrated with all the meetings and rules, bureaucracy and all these things, all these KPIs that weren't helping me generate more money. And I wasn't, I was really frustrated comparing what I was making for my agency owner to my, to my paycheck, right? That $20,000 didn't go to me. It went to my, my boss. Right. And then right. I got, I, then I split that with a salesperson who got the client. And then I got a certain percentage. And it was right. So I felt like I was working for very, very hard for a small slice of the pie. And I realized the only way I could make the whole pie was to do it on my own, except I never had the guts to just make that leap. I had to get pushed out. So I thought, you know what, I have like six months of unemployment. Let's just give it a try. And worst case, I can always just you know go back to the world of recruiting, uh, find a job, but it worked out and, you know, haven't looked back since. Yeah, that's, that's really exciting. And it's, you definitely get getting people's ears perked up when you say, well,
0: 20% of somebody's first year salary, but there is work involved. It's kind of like a long sometimes a longer lead time to make this deal happen like you're not going to pick up the phone or send a couple emails and say all right where's where's my check you know you're coaching people to get started in this you know where do you recommend people start like on the job i guess it's playing matchmakers you got to have a connection with the job searchers uh the you know viable candidates and then the people like the companies the hr department's like making these hires too so which where do you recommend people start
1: Right. Yeah. So it's like the chicken or the egg, right? A lot of people ask that. And it really comes to the client first, I believe, which is because they're the ones that's cutting you the check, right? The companies and hiring managers specifically that will uh, bring you on saying, I will pay you 20% of your Canada salary if I hire your Your person, right? So the idea is really client acquisition. I think it's where most recruiters struggle, which is because recruiters are good at recruiting. They're good at finding candidates. And they'll tell me, hey, if you give me a motivated hiring manager, a clear job description, in a few days, I can find some people. I can build a pipeline of candidates. But because that's what they do in their job all day long for many, many years very well, but they're very siloed. Right, they're not exposed to the client acquisition side of the business. Normally, that's the agency owner or maybe their senior executive will go and hunt for new business, and that requires like selling to VP level hiring managers and committing them to use their services and negotiating fees, and that stuff is like really foreign to most recruiters. Right, so then that's why they come to me and say, "Hey, like, how do I go and get my first client, and how do I convince them to work with me versus the larger firms out there?" and That sort of thing. So client acquisition. Once you once you crack that code, the rest is pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah. So do do people start locally? Do people start within a specific industry? Like we're in Seattle or outside of Seattle. So we got Amazon here, we got Microsoft here, we got Starbucks here, we got Boeing here. Like,
1: do people start or or do you start like in an industry that you already that you already know? Yeah. So I found the sweet spot for targeting clients is somewhere like the SMB or small to medium sized Businesses, because if a company is too big that they're an Amazon of the world, they have like an army of recruiters already internally. So as an okay. outside agency recruiter, you're not able to add that much more value than their team of like 40 recruiters. But if you go for too small of a business and like they probably can't afford your your fees, right? Nor are they really growing as much. So it might be a one-time deal. So you want to find a sweet spot where typically they have like one HR person, maybe one junior recruiter, but they're just slamming. They're growing too fast where they can't possibly like fill all the roles themselves that quickly. They're kind of flooded with all these online applicants, right? From their job posts. And that's when you can come in and help um, ease some of that hiring pain. So that's kind of the size of the company I found works really well. And in terms of where you start, yeah, I think the main thing is if you work backwards and think, all right, picture yourself talking to a hiring manager, maybe VP level, director level hiring manager. And when they start to explain to you like their hiring needs, who they're looking for exactly, their perfect candidate, the requirements, all the everything they're looking for, the projects this person will be working on, like that has to be very, very familiar with you. Because if your eyes kind of glaze over, if it goes over your head, even just a little bit like... If any part of you is thinking, ah, oh, I don't really know what this person is talking about or this role entails, the hiring manager is very they're very intuitive. Right? They'll, they'll know really quickly that they're like, okay, I just lost this person. And so they're not going to give you a shot, right? So if you have an IT background, right, it's natural natural start with IT recruiting. If you have a healthcare background, doing healthcare recruiting, there's a niche for everything in recruiting. And be able to speak the language. I can see how that would be a, a benefit to you. Right. Not just to get the client, but then when you actually go and recruit the candidates and they start spending their... Nine to five job, like you have to really understand that too. But the good thing is, it's not rocket science. Like like you said earlier, it's just playing career matchmaker and having phone calls and sending emails. So it can be learned as a skill, right? Kind of like sales, like public speaking. It's just any other skill. And if you're already like a good people person, then it comes very uh, naturally. Are you looking at like Inc. Five Thousand,
0: Inc. Five Hundred lists to say, well, here's a, here's a company that at least is you know growing. Top line revenue very quickly publicly, and yeah, and then well within the industry that I know about. You know, here are the seven companies that made the list, and now I can go start to find them on LinkedIn. Just try to narrow down the sea of all of the you know non Fortune five hundred companies that are out there.
1: That's how I got started. That's how most people do. They kind of go and hunt for companies that are advertising that they're growing or advertising that is raised funding, right? Which means they're growing or they're advertising specific jobs. You can go on the job board, see who's hiring and find that company and then reach out to them, right? Because you know they're they're specifically looking for certain roles. But the problem is that's what everyone's doing. So you're fishing in a very crowded pond. And it's it's so time intensive. As you can imagine, if you have a list of 10 job posts, to go find the company, find at least two or three people at each company that could be, that could have hiring authority, right? Maybe it's a director, maybe it's a VP, maybe it's a head of talent acquisition, then find them on LinkedIn, right? Send them a message, send, create a follow up task. Like you could easily spend like half a day just reaching out to 10 companies only, and that will barely move the needle with such low volume. And I quickly found this out when I started doing this at scale and teaching people where they would say, Hey, this stuff works, John, you, all your, your process works really great. I just don't have enough time in the day to, do all of this manual prospecting work. Uh, and that was back when we were on the 1.0 version of the program. And when I realized that it was so time intensive, especially for people who are doing this on the side part-time, I actually said, you know what, let me just, actually what happened was it was kind of a shock, but somebody asked me for a refund. It was my very first refund request. And it was someone who I worked really closely with for like six months that I was really optimistic for. And his name was Ryan. He goes, Hey John, look, I got to tell you, like I did everything you said. It just, I just don't have enough time in a day between my day job and my three kids, right. And and my wife, like I like a refund. And that kind of was shocked. It kind of shocked me. And I was like, you know, went through a roller coaster of emotions, but then, so I said, yeah, sure, you know, of course, like, so I, I, and I pushed the button, hit refund, you know, sent those thousands of dollars back to him. And I'm like, oh, my wife's going to kill me when I tell her, but she's like, actually, you know, she's very proud of me. So, you know what? You did, you did the right thing. Right. But, um, when I actually sat down and I said, you know what? If I were to be like 100% personally accountable, like, how did I fail this person? Like, what, what did my program like not provide? to, 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 to lead to this result. And I realized, you know what? It's, I'm making it too hard, right? Like people doing what you said, finding these companies by hand just takes too much time. So I actually uh, paused enrollment for like eight months. And rebuilt the program from the ground up, the 2.0 version uh, using complete automation. So now we use automation tools to go and prospect for new clients, both on LinkedIn and through email. So that way, it runs on autopilot and it works. When we the moment we did that, it just a 90 day difference. People got results super super fast, right? Um, weeks and months instead of six months to twelve months.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I like the well. Obviously, anything you can automate, <laughs> that sounds yeah, that sounds better. I'm curious, like how does it- if it's all automated like how do you add a element of personalization cuz i'm on the receiving end of a lot of automated pr junk and other pitches and stuff and it's like well, you know that's that's cool i guess you know it's a numbers game and you know if you hope to get a 2% response rate or something but it's like i if you put a little more effort into it i'm sure the results could be better
1: yeah uh so we kind of uh solved for that by doing two things one instead of running one kind of General campaign, right? That's like, here's my generic message I'll send to every single hiring manager. Instead, you can build mini campaigns and be very specific. So, for example, I can pull up a list of only VPs of engineers with the keyword cloud security or something, like Or cloud cybersecurity. And then in my message, I can say, you know, we specialize in placing cloud engineers with a focus on cybersecurity. And, you know, you can kind of have everything I do is contingency. That means it's no fee, no obligation front to view my candidates or even interview them, please let me know if you'd like me to send you my two best candidates, right? And now because you're only targeting those specific hiring managers with those keywords, it tends to build resonance. Like, oh, that's exactly what we do. And then another campaign can go towards you know, network engineers and how you use Cisco technology. That's your specialty, right? And you create these mini campaigns and that has a high response rate. But we also use video technology a lot right? I think everyone's writing these like canned messages, these templates, and you can tell within a split second that they're not really customized for you. But we have technology and tools where you can actually record a template video message and using AI, it splices their first name into the message. So I can wave my hand, and say, hi, Nick. And then what, what you can do, and this is kind of like some of our secret sauce, but you, you can take a screenshot of their LinkedIn profile and take another screenshot of their careers page, right? And then show your website. So then in a video within like 30 seconds, you'll say, hi, Nick, I'm reaching out to you because I saw you're hiring senior engineering managers. And then I'm on your LinkedIn profile, right? Then automatically it switches to your careers page where I can say, I know that you're hiring these type of roles and we specialize only in this field and goes to my website. So we would do all that by hand, and as you can imagine, it's very, very personalized. It could, it's a it's a custom video, right? But we realize at scale that takes a long time. So we've actually automated that process, where we can create these templates, and the, the software ties it all together. So you can mass send personalized videos where it bounces to their LinkedIn profile and their website and their careers page, as many pages as you want. You can put it all together. The bad part but was you, you used to have to record every single name. There's like 700 names. You have to pre-record so then the software can insert that name. But now with AI, it does it for you. So um, <laughs> you don't have to do that anymore. Uh, it's pretty funny.
0: Dang. That's, that's really cool. I mean,
1: it's cool and it's kind of scary, creepy in a way. It's yes, like, wow, it, we, it we is. Let's use um, our
0: powers for good and not evil. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's really weird. But you know what, like the, the world of recruiting is very, its age, it's been around forever. It's very old in industry like insurance or yeah. real estate. And I think the challenge that a lot of recruiting business owners or even senior recruiters looking to do this is that they just know what they've been taught to do, right? Which is manually go and smile and dial and, and do all the reach outs, right? But using technology, using B2B automation, things like that, the world of marketing, and the world of recruiting, they don't overlap, so like, even for me, I knew none of this. I had to hire coaches and take programs to learn email automation, LinkedIn automation, using video technology like, from marketers, right? And uh, pull it and apply it to recruiting. And when, you, when you're armed with stuff like that, like no one else is doing any of this. So then you have a really competitive yeah. edge, right? As a solopreneur or a small business owner in recruiting. Yeah, you really stand out the job roles that you mentioned, like VP of engineering,
0: like you kind of that level, I guess probably based on the size of the company too, but is that kind of the, uh, who you're targeting on the outreach side?
1: Yeah, exactly. Anything anything above VP, they're really not hands-on enough to, or they're not involved in the hiring process, right? But even a manager, a manager doesn't typically have the hiring authority to like onboard a vendor, right? Uh, Onboard an outside agency, they have to take it up to their, boss. So you typically will say reach out to three people, each company, the VP of that role, the director of that department, and also the highest level HR person. So typically like an HR manager or talent acquisition manager, because you never know, they may be, you know, they may be the gatekeeper or they may be a, a partner that you can work with and work alongside with.
0: Okay. Are you sending these through LinkedIn,
1: just kind of cold? Or are you sending these through email? Uh, both. Yeah, we, we do. Uh, that's kind of a one-two combo because everyone's on LinkedIn, but not everyone checks their LinkedIn inbox like every day. But people check their email every day. But of course, people get a lot of emails and this this gets spam filters, right? So you have to do the email correctly to avoid the spam filters. But when you do both LinkedIn and email, then and have a sequence, right, where you follow up with them, offering value every step of the way, then you tend to catch them over time.
0: You kind of have to you know, pump yourself up in a way. Hey, we specialize in, and like you say, you know, cybersecurity engineers, and maybe you haven't placed any cybersecurity engineers. for you. So it's kind of like, we, you know, we we plan to specialize
1: in this. Thing. And and then, you know, and then what happens when they respond? It's like, yeah, send me your top two candidates. The good thing about that is that you have some time, right? Because then, because it's not that time sensitive. If you email me back in the morning, sure, send me your top two candidates. I could spend the next four hours now, going and finding and cherry-picking and identifying the profiles. Now, ideally, I have a rock star already in my back park, pocket that I can reply back and say, here's somebody. I can be really specific about where they went to school, where they live, what salary range they're looking for. But um, worst case, I can just go into LinkedIn and cherry-pick, like, two profiles, you know, make sure they don't work at that company, right? And then attach them, maybe take out their their names and make it confidential, right? Like, scrub the resume is what we call it. And then in my response, I might say something like, Nick, attach your two profiles of individuals I've identified that could be a possible fit for your role, right? And so I'm not saying that they're, they're real candidates. I'm saying that they're profiles I've identified. And when I show them to you, and I can say something like, attach to the profiles, You know, obviously, I'm taking a shot in the dark here just based on your job description. But if I'm at all close to the mark with what you're looking for, then let me know, I'd be happy to jump on a quick call. I can learn more about exactly what you're looking for and send you even better candidates, right? And most people don't even do any of that. So you're actually like offering value and doing some of the legwork up front. Okay,
0: gotcha. So that's kind of the typical process flow, you know, cold outreach, get a bite and then, you know, provide some like, hey, based on what you told me or based on the job description, here's some, you know, profiles that I found that might fit your fit your needs, you know, let's, you know, does it make sense to continue the conversation here? And you get the, you get
1: the ball rolling. And then when you do schedule a call, it might be one or two days out, in which case you can then find a live candidate that you've spoken to, right? Even if they reply back saying, Hey, tell me more. You can then kind of honestly tell the hiring manager, I'm in early conversation with this individual and have a couple of people kind of just, uh, to show. And that way you come to the table with something and not nothing. And, that's kind of what we call our candid focused approach in, in sales because it takes the attention off you and all the questions they might grill you about like how long you've been doing this, which other clients do you work with, which, you know, it tends to be very you know scary, right? And instead you put the attention on the candidate. So if you are a hiring manager and I brought to the meeting, two profiles that are very, very strong. You're probably not going to grill me too much about whether or not I know how to find them. Cause I'm already showing you that like here are people that I brought to the table. And so, Yeah, it makes it a lot easier and takes the pressure off trying to have to sell yourself to everybody.
0: When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time like a, a website link or a LinkedIn profile link in the, you know, uh, just a, uh, signature of the emails so that somebody can click on and, you know, you have a, at least a brochure up about who you are and what you do and how long you've been doing it or your no, no brochure, change your LinkedIn profile. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I feel like the, the less you have to like, the less marketing you are, the more it comes across just organic and natural and he goes, Hey, here's, this is what we do. This is all, you know, here are all the only people that we place, which is why it starts with, you know, my six step process for this is step one is pick a hyper-focused niche. So that way, like people see you as a specialist and not like a generalist recruiter, right? So do you kind of have to have a specialty to really stand out? Because otherwise, if you are, you say a recruit for pretty much any type of role, right? Then it's hard to get traction that way.
0: Interesting. It's like the, it's like the cheesecake factory. Like when you're, when your menu is 300 pages <laughs> yes. long, are
1: you, is, are you really going to be a specialist at any of this? Versus the burger joint that has like, they serve one thing, which just a burger, no, no chicken, no hot dogs, just burgers. And you know, like there's a line out the door for it. Right. Okay.
0: So, so I, the reason I bring that up is like, okay, we don't necessarily need to overthink it, put the cart before the horse by, you know, creating this whole, you know, web presence for this. It's kind of like do this outreach stage first to see what kind of traction you get or what kind of reaction that you get in the market.
1: Yeah, and you don't even have to say, yeah, people do ask about like, do I need to do a lot of content marketing and be a thought leader and post, yeah, make make videos and content. And really like you don't need to, like it's just direct reach outs because in recruiting, um, you only need like three to five clients to be like absolutely busy. Because think about it, 3 to, let's say you have four clients, you, you, you get through this direct outreach method and each client gives you three positions to recruit for, that's 12 open job orders is what we call roles for you to fill and 12 different roles that might have and most of them might be different too right so then you're in conversation and each each position you want to send like two or three candidates right let's say three candidates per role now you have you need to you need to submit 36 candidates which means but you probably have to talk to like 300 people so you're kind of like slammed right so yeah, yeah once you get three or five clients you're good and then later on the game is like okay upgrading those clients and getting, you know, once with higher fees, you know, better clients and, and without the, without a process for getting new client calls printed on your calendar, though, you end up kind of being stuck with the one or two clients for most of your career and um, never quite grow beyond that. And because you're not, you know, creating YouTube content, you're not creating
0: social media content, it is kind of how you described it as stealth mode, where,
1: you're not necessarily waving the flag in front of your
0: current employer and say, hey, look at me, look at my side
1: hustle. Exactly, exactly. Which is why we say on LinkedIn, you don't want to put like founder of so-and-so staffing company. No, no, you want to just, you can have your LinkedIn profile completely not have your uh, business on it. Your website can have your business, but not your face and your name, right? These are some stealth mode Best practices okay. that we teach, and then when you reach out, um, and the tricky part is if you work at a recruiting agency or you work as a corporate recruiter, then they get kind of where people get worried about like non-compete clauses or potential conflicts of interest, right? I'm like, well, I, you know, my, my my company does IT recruiting, but I want to start my own IT recruiting side hustle. How do I go about doing that without stepping on toes and sleeping well at night and not looking over my shoulder? So. But as long as you implement these best practices, then everything is kind of above board. Your message, though, needs to be vague enough where if I send a reach out message to a hiring manager who happens to be best friends with my boss, and they uh, they forth that message saying, "Hey, I think one of your people sent me this," it better like one like you know not get you in trouble, and two, ideally, make you look good. Right. So example, if I was working at an agency or even a, a corporate recruiting role, I could say something like this. I could reach out to a hiring manager and say, hey, I'm reaching out because I'm working with a candidate who you know has XYZ background, highly skilled, just start looking for new opportunities. And I would say something like, unfortunately, I don't have anything for them on my side. No, but they saw that we were connected on LinkedIn. And uh, when I asked them which companies to respect in their field, your name came up first. So want to see if you might be interested in having me broker introduction, right? Something like that. Okay. If your day job is already in recruiting. Right. If your day jobs in recruiting, you would, you have to say something like, you know, unfortunately, we don't have anything for them um, at my agency. And that way, if your boss finds out, it'll just look like you are trying to do what we call preserve the candidate experience. Because even though even corporates like you no know, corporations, Microsoft will say, "Hey, if we pass on somebody, make sure they they leave feeling good. Even though we took them through eight rounds of interviews, make sure they leave feeling good, so they don't they don't bad us to all their other colleagues, right? You know, and so they're very sensitive about that. So if they see that message, it just sounds like you're trying to preserve the candidate experience by trying to hook up a candidate who you said no to and trying to at least send them off in the right direction, right? Okay,
0: yeah, avoid." Conflict of interest, because yeah, until this thing is up and running, definitely don't want to burn any bridges with with the day job. Yep. So that makes sense. Yeah. So what happens next? So you got you got a couple bites uh, from this cold outreach, and now you got to go find the potential candidates. Let's talk about
1: that part of the process. Yeah. So a lot of people think that the the hard part is finding the candidates, but uh, it's actually not. That's actually not that hard because nowadays with all the LinkedIn you know services and platforms, like we all have the same tool. So finding the people is relatively easy but engaging with them is hard especially engaging with what we call passive candidates people who aren't looking for a job they're really they're yeah, only yeah. working for your client's competitor their heads down they're not taking any interviews how do you engage with them in such a way? Well, they're even they'll even take your call, right? Especially when they get bombarded like every other day by recruiters. So that's the tricky part, and that comes down to having the right message, um, doing creative things like video messaging we talked about, or um, on LinkedIn you can send an audio message, like things that kind of stand out. Then, hey, I saw I have a great opportunity for you, like you know, first name, right? Like you want to avoid those. If anything that you send sounds like a canned template or sounds like something a, tr- a traditional salesy recruiter would say, you just have to do the opposite, right? Which is why when you talk about brochures and marketing language, I'm like, Oh, no, no, we want to, we want to go the meta, go the other way. They sound like you're some dude who's on the couch or you're just kind of like sending this through your mobile app, right? On LinkedIn or something like that. Really casual. So yeah, that's then that, that becomes the hard part, um, is, is how do you engage with good candidates? And lastly, like once you've tapped LinkedIn, like, you know, most people, once they reach out to everyone on LinkedIn that could be a fit, then they've like ex- exhausted their search like there's nowhere else I can find them. And then having skills beyond that to find people past LinkedIn, like using Google as a hidden resume database, right? Knowing these, what we call Boolean search strings, where you can type in long strings of code. Basically, it looks like code and they can actually pull up like PowerPoint presentations from keynote speakers at cloud security conferences where the last slide says, contact me. Like being able to pull up those little things like Ninja Stuff, or pull up um, a spreadsheet of conference attendees. That has their name, title, contact information, because when you register for a conference, you normally have to put in that information. So if you can pull that up. You can actually do some like ninja headhunting, and those people really aren't advertising themselves on LinkedIn. So that's another skill to be able to do: um, find people that aren't easy to find. Right? What's that typical first
0: message like? Hey, I, you know, without sounding you know overtly salesy, like hey, I got a great opportunity for you. If, if that's a red flag, what what
1: gets those emails opened or messages opened and responded to? I like starting off my messages with what I call like a um, a softening statement that because uh, most people who reach most salesy salesy people and salesy recruiters they're very optimistic, positive, and upbeat. So I try to be the opposite, which is a little skeptical, curious. Uh, you know, like that's sort where of energy. So I'll say something like, like, "Hey Nick, you know, what? not sure if this would even interest you, but." right? Or I'm not sure if my timing is right, but look, given your background in this role, this, this, as well as your experience working at this company. So I'm calling out a lot of specific things, right? And your location in Seattle, I thought, you know, you might be a good fit for this opportunity in Seattle. They're looking for someone just like you. Gotcha. So what kind of fact finding do you have to do if you get somebody
0: uh, to take a call with you in terms of their expected salary, their timeline? Like what you know to convince somebody to leave their job for something else
1: is a big uh, it's a big ask we can have a rule where like the the reason for your call is to uncover the truth about whether or not that person is looking to make a move at the time of your call like right now so number 1 i'm looking for type some, some type of career pain or hiring pain so if i say hey you know nick it looks like you've been here for 6 years like is there anything you're looking for outside your current job and they're like no and if i ask you well you know, what brings you on this call? they like, well, you reached out to me. I already know, okay, this is not going to go well. They, they don't have any real reason to leave, right? Um, but if you say, you know what? Um, my commute is, is two hours round trip each day. I'm, I'm missing time away from my family. My, my wife's upset or I'm, I've been at the same position for two years now. They keep promising me a, a promotion. It hasn't happened or, or this financial stability in my company. I see people getting laid off, right? I don't want to be, I want to get ahead of this. Like those are real, those are real pains. Right. And then because if you're not motivated to make a move, the last thing I want to do is to present you to my client, have them spend time taking you through their interview process, get them excited. They make you an offer and you're like, no, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to stay where I am at. Right. Now, the client will get mad at me for getting their hopes up and, and you know, and wasting their time. Right. So I'm really trying to figure out whether or not the. uh there's pain there. And if not, that's okay. But, yeah. How how serious are they? Right. And I'll say things like, you know what? It, like the last thing I want to do is break up a happy home. If you're happy where you're at, that's great. Like, I don't think you should make a change. Right. Like I'll, because I'm going in very skeptical, very, and I think the more skeptical, the more, you know what? Like it might not even make sense for you to, to look elsewhere. Then the more you start to prove and qualify to me why you are and why you want to make a move. Right.
0: Yeah. It's almost a, like a reverse, you know, qualification process and, and, it's, and it starts with your what you called your softening statement, like "Hey, not sure if the timing's right, not sure if you'd be interested." Like, just you know, knowing that it's a numbers game, and like, I've got to kind of reach out to a hundred people to find the one. It's like you know, if you got to check all of these boxes to kind of make it through these these filterings uh, filtering process. Yeah,
1: but I'll tell them as my message. I'll say, "Look, you are not you are not one out of a hundred people I'm reaching out to this week. There is only like eight people, about eight people I found in the Seattle area that can do this specific job." And you're one of them so I'm hoping to at least connect with you and and, and share with you some information right okay yeah so that, that's part of the messaging too right gotcha and then you share the the company posting or the one that you're specifically looking
0: for candidates for and then at, at what point like so they say yeah the commute is awful I'm worried about the solvency of this company long term I'm, yeah I'm I'm open to all opportunities what have you got
1: Yep. And then, so then that's when I'll talk about my client, what to do, the name, the salary, the pay range, the, the, you know, paint the picture for them, right? Which is why I'll ask the client, Hey, how do you sell candidates on your opportunity? And I'll like write that down and I'll just regurgitate your sound bites because you know, you sell your company the best. You're the CEO, you're the VP, right? And yeah. then if they're interested, uh, and then I ask them one very specific question, very, very important. I, and when I mess this up, it's always, to me right in the butt which is have you ever applied to this company or been presented by another recruiter or submit your resume online before because if they say yes to any of those questions then i can't use them like i have to end the call (laughs) because otherwise if i send your resume over and they say oh hey thanks but i have oh you know we have him in our database but thanks for bringing that to our attention right or i see him here so we only get paid as recruiters to present people who are brand new that they've never come across before. So I always make sure that you haven't applied online directly. If you have, then I have to find you another opportunity, right? Which is why when I tell candidates, like, what should they do for their first um, step in their job search, which is, hey, reach out to recruiters. Let them exhaust their network first. Because if you go online, apply to every single job posting online, and then use a recruiter, you basically kind of tie their hands. You know, you've reached out to all their clients already. They can't, like, vouch for you with leverage their relationships on your behalf. Yeah,
0: yeah, like we're not we're not paying you
1: the finder's fee because you know that guy already found us. Exactly, exactly. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. God. So we make sure we ask that question a lot.
0: Yeah, it's the same way with certain affiliate programs. We're going to pay for you know sending us a new customer, or we're going to pay you a you know a bigger commission for sending us a new customer versus a repeat customer. Like you know hey, but that was that was already our customer. We should have exactly we should have why we paying you twenty
1: thousand dollars for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. So if they have never applied to this company before, they're not in their database of resumes, you know, what do you then encourage them to go apply to the
1: online system? Do you send an introductory uh, email? Like what happens next? exactly then then we do what's called a candidate presentation or candidate submission where I'll then send the candidate over to the hiring manager right I'll write a nice little email with the bullet points of their qualifications their salary the reason for their look the pain that I learned right the reason why they're going okay. to make a move and then their availability for interview so that way all the client has to do is say yes and then choose a day and time and then uh, book the interview. Or if they say no, then I ask the client up front, hey, if if you pass on them for any reason, can you at least uh, give me feedback why they weren't a fit? And that way I can like dial in my search, get you people closer to the mark, right? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so you, and then at that point, yeah, so I kind of handhold everything. You want to have what we call a candidate control, a client control. You want to be really on top of everything. Make sure nothing slips through their cracks and that you're like the middleman and just kind of moving this thing along. Yeah, make sure that they, well, make sure that it, they know that it came through you. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, your, and, uh, and the moment email the, is when you get dibs. Yeah, you you kind of put dibs on the can at the moment you like send that email over. Okay, no, that makes sense. And then from there, the person you know goes through the interview process. They get hired, and and you get paid. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you get paid, and, and ideally, you you also want to help um, mitigate, avoid any type of potential bombs that can blow up right for example like uh yeah, you know, and this is an early mistake that a lot of recruiters make. And I made for sure is like, once they, uh, got the job offer and they accepted, I thought, done deal. I'm already figuring out what I want to spend the $20,000 on. Right. Uh, but then they end up giving the two week notice and their boss sits down. They're like, Nick, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, where's this coming from? Have a seat. You know, like, uh, we were just talking about a big promotion for you, right? Just around the corner. This is, this would be the worst timing. Like, show me the offer that you got. Oh, you know what? We you know, we can beat that. Like, give us a chance to, like, Beat that for you, right? Like, uh, like yeah, so yeah, you'll yeah. And so then you get that call like, hey, hate to bad, you know, break the bad news, but I'm not gonna start work. And then that's how you lose clients they get mad. They're like, you know, you should have, you should have been on top of this, right? So part of the R2 is like coaching candidates on how to give a two weeks notice and like being firm and, and, role-playing with them about what if they got counter offers, how would they, what would they say, right? And so that way they're like, you know, they don't get susceptible to like, yeah, having a change of heart, right? <laughs> Stuff like that. So you have to do all those things because especially when there's 20, dollars on the line, you want to make sure like there's no hiccups, right? No, no yeah, surprises. Yeah, I can see that happening
0: all the time. Well, yeah, it's because it's expensive to fill these positions. Like, wait, 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 don't go. We can, we can
1: match that. Right. They have to be like, well, hey, listen, did you really want to stay with a company that's, that's only going to pay you what you're worth? Like, once you threaten to leave, right? Or. You know, talk about how counter offers are just a temporary band-aid of basically, it's, you know, they're buying themselves some time in order to replace you long term because you've, you've already signaled to them and the whole company that you're not loyal, that you're looking to, that you've already interviewed and accepted an offer. That's how much you want to leave and them keeping you. This is going to help find your replacement without like downtime, right? Like you got to do all that stuff, right? Before they even get the counter offer. So that way, the moment they get it, they're not even tempted by it, right? So yeah. <laughs> lots of little nuances. And that's really kind of, that's where the art of recruiting comes from is like, it's hard to learn that unless you've been working and recruiting for five, eight, 10 years of like coming across scenarios after scenarios where this stuff happens. Because when you make those mistakes and you learn through the trial and error, these are very expensive mistakes, right? These are like $20,000 mistakes. So kind of what we do is we try to help <laughs> make that a little easy, like it's like the easy button because uh, I've made those painful mistakes, every mistake in the book. So hoping fewer people will have to.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm grateful for you sharing that stuff. It's it's a, it's a different ball game. But I read this book on you know college athletics recruiting and a lot of salesmanship that goes into it. Where it's like you know the best people have the best pick of all these different schools. Hey, full ride scholarship. Who do you want to play for? And it's just you know which which coach and which coaching staff and which facilities can make that presentation the best and it's just i mean it's fascinating high stakes world and even more here where you got lots of money changing hands uh in in potentially a short period of time but i was going to ask if there are any metrics that people ought to be aware of like it's going to take you know a hundred emails it's going to take 300 emails like what what kind of you know, to, to, working through the funnel of potentials candidates to phone calls to, you know, introductions to interviews to hire like it's, I imagine there's a lot of drop off every step of the way.
1: Yeah. So we kind of say like for every one position you want to fill, you want to submit at least three solid candidates. And to get to three candidates, you probably need to talk to maybe like 50 people, right? To, to get your top three and okay. the, well, 50 people to find three that are not just qualified, but are currently open to interviewing at the time of your call, right? So timing is everything. So talk to 50 candidates and then yeah. all of this. And then, and that's for every single job you're working on. And, and to talk to 50 candidates, you have to reach out to maybe a hundred. So to do that at scale, if you have several jobs you're looking to fill is really Impossible or near impossible to do it by hand, unless that's all you're doing, which is business development. But the moment you get a client that gives you business, people tend to take off their business development hat and put on their recruiting hat and go, you know, fill the role and try to get, you know, what's called closest to the dollar. Um, which is why, like, I think, um, I've been such a big proponent of like using the automations to just, you know, have that send out the high volume messages to hiring managers. And then you just focus on, you know, finding the perfect candidate, right? Which does involve more of a hands on, customized approach because you don't want to send you definitely don't want to send like a canned message or an email blast to candidates because it might only be a handful in a specific area that will be the perfect candidate so you don't want to like shoot your shot and not have it be like the best shot right right with the
0: somewhat softening of the labor market especially in in tech with tech layoffs going on the past six or twelve months like have you seen any you know, ripple effect
1: of that for yourself or for your students? Um, No, but because you're doing a nationwide search for clients, and like I said, you only need three to five clients to really stay busy, then it doesn't take that much time to... Because right now, if you go on LinkedIn, type in United States and type in jobs, there's like almost 6 million job posts right now on LinkedIn. And, And these are companies that are struggling so much with hiring that they're paying LinkedIn for a paid, you know, expensive advertised job slot. So, if you can get three jobs out of the six million, or you know maybe it's 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 three hundred thousand when you narrow it down by your niche and and you know your your location, but still it, it's you know point zero one percent of the of the market that's hiring. If you can pick that up, you're you're in very good shape, right?
0: Yeah, it doesn't take much. I think that's one of my biggest takeaways from this. Where you know if you just get a handful of clients, you help them fill their positions, you can make great side income doing that. Do you need to do anything to protect yourself up front with like contract-wide? Like, hey, just want to make sure that we're going to be, uh, we're not going to have any misunderstandings here down the road if and when that person eventually does get hired.
1: We have those out of the box and they're pretty straightforward. It just, it's a one page that says, if I hire your candidate, I'll pay you 20%, 25%, whatever you agree to. And that we guarantee them for 90 days typically. So within 90 days, if they don't work out, you let them go, they leave for any reason, then we'll either replace them or give you a refund. So that's kind of the standard. Okay. Recruiting agreement,
0: yeah, this is I can see it fitting in as a side hustle, especially with automation and especially like taking calls after hours like well shoot i'm I'm working if I'm uh happy or reasonably happy with my day job, but I'm open to opportunities like yeah, I'll take your call at you know five thirty you know as I'm driving home or something. So I think I see it fitting into the gaps in people's schedules without having to necessarily especially be... if you
1: target people from different time zones. If you're on the West coast and you're talking to New York clients, it's like, okay, they're they're 6 p.m. It's only your 3 p.m. So it's, it's easy, right?
0: Absolutely. So you've got RecruitingAccelerator.com help people get started over there.
1: Where do where do you want to take this thing? What's next for you? Yeah. So for me, I've been kind of fortunate enough to build a team around me, um, for coaches and enrollment people and marketing and operations where I get to really just geek out now and work on products. So right now I'm really just focused on building the 3.0 version of the program, which involves like new AI, you know, AI tools out there, like different um, tech stacks, how to hire and train a virtual team of recruiters, things that um, really people are struggling with. And I think a lot of people in the in the co- course and coach space in general, they kind of are selling programs they made like four years ago. And they're teaching the same old stuff, right? So, I f- I know maybe it's my, like, uh, I'm just never content. <laughs> I always feel like there's better stuff out there. And if I see better stuff and I know that I'm not offering it, I kind of feel like I'm cheating my my people. Like, So, I really spend as much time as I can R&D uh, as much as possible. they just building better tools and testing it out, beta testing it, and then rolling it out to my people. So, Well, I think it's really telling. Sorry to interrupt there. Well, I had one
0: person. Ask for a refund, and you're like, full stop. I got, I got to pause this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what, what, what did I do wrong? I and let them down. I oh, let them down.
0: <laughs> I got to pause okay. this thing for eight months. <laughs> revamp the whole thing. Where it's just like, hey, maybe, maybe it wasn't a fit for this. Like, I, I could see myself being. That's like, funny. <laughs> hey, you know, you win some, you lose some. Okay, give the refund, and on to the next. thing. but yeah. So I think that's that's
1: really telling. Thank you. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's been, um it's really it's fun to kind of see like people get results so much faster than I did when I did the old way, the trial and error way. Right. And I think as a side hustle for your people, like the people I found re- that really resonate with this business are people who they're entrepreneurial, they have people skills and they don't really necessarily want to learn a whole different technology. Like they don't want to get into like social media marketing management or e-com or drop shipping or things that are just like Skew code, things are very technical and like, like, ah, oh, they're more like, I just want to talk to people and I'm, you know, use my personality and I'm good at sales. I'm good at people. Right. So, um, yeah, really low overhead, like almost, almost no startup costs.
0: Just, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Low overhead. Just, kind of yeah,
0: just raise your hand and say, okay, I'm going to try this out now and do some Low overhead. You can
1: do it from home. Um, it's, it's helping people. You're helping companies hire good talent, helping talent like upgrade their careers. And you're making a difference. It's, you can sleep well at night. You get paid a lot of money. The problem is it's very competitive because it's a low bar to entry. So unless you know how to stand out from the crowd and you do things that they're doing, which is really kind of like harken to what you're saying about uh, the most common mistakes is everyone goes out there. But they sound like every other recruiter to the clients and to the candidates, and so they get mm. lost in a sea of competition, and then they just kind of get frustrated and give up. Whereas if they could just you know apply a few tweaks, right, or a few different tools, then um, it kind of cracks the code, and they they do really well, and they enjoy it, and they can work from home, they can travel, they can have freedom, and just enjoy talking and helping people. So it's kind of a nice business for those type of people that like that sort of thing. It makes sense to me. So we're recruiting accelerator
0: dot com. You can check John out over there. SideHustleNation.com slash recruiting is your quick referral link to an evergreen training that John's put together on the six step process to sto- scoring your first client. So SideHustleNation.com slash recruiting for that. John, thanks so much for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for SideHustleNation. Nation. It does not have to be uh, recruiting related, just to whatever entrepreneurial
1: wisdom that you'd like to impart. I watch YouTube videos, I, I go and get free content, I listen to podcasts, great information out there. But I feel like whenever I pay to join a mastermind or pay to join a um, working group, like the content and insight and the, the connections I meet are like, definitely worth the ticket price right like this this past year i recently invested in a mastermind for business and marketing and they charge sixty eight thousand dollars a year for this mastermind wow and at first i was like this is crazy but you know like uh, i thought you know slept on it for weeks and i finally pulled the trigger and we did a live event they went to they did a live event in cabo and it blew my mind and already like i've made money just from the networks and we did business and just unlocked so many things but yeah you kind of get you kind of want to pay for a mission to be in a certain room or be around coaches or mentors or anything. So and like I've kind of been able to accelerate my career and my business just from being the right people. And I think that also like the the idea of investing money, you naturally as a rational human being, you're looking for an ROI on that money. So you're actively pushing to go and meet people and try more and, you know, you, you put your money where your heart is. And so, Yeah. That's my one tip. Yes, yeah, it's,
0: it's true. It's, it's an accelerator in a lot of ways. And it, it took me a, a long time to come to appreciate that. Like just a very naturally frugal and stubborn, in a way. like I could figure this out on my own and like just beat my head against the desk and have, you know, for the last several years, at least to my credit, have, you know, raised my head up and could know, I, who could I learn this from, you know, to accelerate this? Um, and so that's been beneficial in, in some ways. And you do see the ROI and at a certain level you may only take one idea one you know a one percent improvement if you're already operating you know could be worth quite a bit and easy to recoup that investment so that's
1: i have yet to invest in the sixty-eight thousand dollar mastermind but maybe someday that's uh sounds like a pretty serious one last thing is um by paying that much money to go and other people's programs other mentors and coaches then when i charge what i charge right then like I can do it with a straight face and confidence because I'm like, yeah, I invest as much in, I invest thousands of dollars everywhere else. So otherwise it kind of, I had the weird imposter syndrome when I was charging high ticket, but I wasn't investing in high ticket myself. I was like, okay, like, you know, it's, it's some cognitive dissonance there. But when you're used to investing in yourself and then, then all of a sudden when you ask for that investment from other people, it kind of, they can pick up on it that, you know, this is valuable because you practice it by implementing it yourself, right? So that's all. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Am I, no. So I I like this call. You look, it's only going to take three to five clients to make this a viable thing, at least on the client side. And then you go out on the candidate side, but then your point about, you know, recognizing that this is sales, this is a numbers game, kind of like any sales rule, but the, idea about, you know, searching for pain really on both sides, like on the candidate side. Yeah. Look, if this if this were easy, we would have filled this position or rather on the client side, if this was easy, we would have filled the position months ago. But instead, like, oh, like we're really having a hard time. Uh, so yeah, we're we're willing to cast as many nets as as, need, as necessary to go out and uh, fill this role. And then on the uh, candidate side, well, yeah, it's finding, well, do you not like this commute? Have you been st- you know are you at the ceiling of your uh, advancement at this company are you're you worried about the future like all those kind of things and like you're really trying to you know improve people's outlook improve people's careers while helping these other companies solve these problems something that is a natural fit for you know, people who like to play connector like to play matchmaker so you got it you can you can you can recruit now yeah <laughs> you have right, it, man. that's my next yes. that's my next side hustle. I actually did so total total side note I was doing like virtual assistant recruiting very part-time kind of in the early days of the side hustle show I had this virtual assistant website and you know it was not advertising the service but you know I a reader of the site you know reached out was like could you define could you find me some like Squarespace specialists and it's like I, I don't know <laughs> I'll, I'll take a crack at it you know and it was probably similar, you know, it was probably 10% of their first year's salary. Maybe I was undercharging, but, you know, I'd never done it before. I had no idea what I was doing. And ended up finding probably four or five people for this guy. I don't know. It was an interesting little side project at that
1: time, kind of an accidental. And did he ever come back to you later on for more people? Did he ever uh, yeah, ask we, you again? Yeah, we had
0: a thing for, for a handful of months. And then it became it became hard. I don't know. We tapped out the available people, at least at least that I knew how to find. And so it was kind of like, I hit up the ceiling of my own capabilities in that space without yeah, really investing to learn, learn more and how to find
1: extra developers. No, but see, you, you fell into it as well. See, there you go. People just fall into it. And uh, yeah. And when you get the opportunity, you kind of rise to that occasion and take a crack at it. And uh, when it's your own thing, and then it's very motivating to like work hard and make it happen. I totally forgot all about that. That's like a funny reminder. That was probably
0: almost 10 years ago. Wow. Um, Wow. um. (laughs) Side hustles on side hustles again. Uh, John, you can find him at recruitingaccelerator.com. If you're new to the show, that is awesome. Thank you for joining us. There are hundreds of actionable evergreen episodes in the archives. If you're not sure where to start, why not generate yourself a personalized playlist? You can do that at hustle.show. All you got to do is answer a few short, multiple choice questions. I'll build you a custom curated playlist of the episodes that I think are going to be most relevant and most impactful for you. That is at hustle.show. Big thanks to John for sharing his insight. You can hit up sidehustlenation.com slash deals for all the latest offers from our sponsors in one place. And thank you for supporting the advertisers that support the show. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're finding a value in the show, make sure to text it to a friend. Check this out. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.